Well, welcome back to the Through the Psalms podcast. Today we're going to be talking about Psalm 23. I'm excited about this because, as you know, this is one of the most well-beloved passages in the entire Bible. Millions of people around the world can recite this uh, psalm by memory, and this psalm, probably more than any other, has really touched the lives of so many people. It's such a beautiful psalm. It is a psalm of David, uh, according to the superscription. So David wrote this psalm, and because of his background as a shepherd, we know that he knew what he was talking about uh, because he was a shepherd himself. As far as classifications go, this is considered a psalm of confidence. It expresses confidence in the Lord. Uh, But as I talked about in last episode, this is also considered one of the shepherd psalms. Psalm 22, 23, and 24 uh, are sometimes called the shepherd psalms because they deal uh, with the shepherd. And we know, of course, that the shepherd is Jesus. The image of a shepherd is found throughout the Bible. You cannot read the Bible for very long without coming across this imagery of a shepherd. It's a constant theme in both the Old Testaments and in the New Testaments. Jesus is called the Good Shepherd in John chapter 10. And I wanted to read a few verses from that chapter. In John chapter 10, starting in verse 9, This is Jesus speaking. He says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is a hireling, and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is a hireling, and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, And I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father." So there you have Jesus speaking about how he's the good shepherd. He contrasts himself with the hireling. The hireling is someone who is just in it for the money and doesn't care about the sheep. But Jesus says he loves the sheep and cares for the sheep. He's a good shepherd. He talks about how he lays down his life for the sheep and he does it willingly. And that he's going to take it up again. And so there you have, in a sense, the gospel laid out where Jesus talks about uh, how he is going to die on the cross and be resurrected. And he also talks about these other sheep, and and that's referring to Gentiles. uh, Because as you know, Jesus was Jewish, uh, but he also um, laid down his life, not just for the Jews only, but also for the Gentiles, for the whole world. 
And so you have him referring to the Gentiles there when he mentions the other sheep that he must bring in that are not of this fold. So you have a lot in that passage, but I wanted to read that because he mentions uh, himself, he, he calls himself the good shepherd there. Now, uh, in Hebrews, uh, Jesus is called the great shepherd, and in First Peter, he is called the chief shepherd. So again, you see this imagery used throughout the Bible. Uh, I wanted to read for you uh, Isaiah 40, and starting in verse 11, uh, it says there, well, let me go back to verse 10. Uh, Isaiah forty ten and and if you don't know Isaiah chapter forty is a very well known uh, chapter in the Bible and if you haven't read it before I encourage you to read it because there's just so much in this chapter but in Isaiah forty ten it says behold the Lord God will come with strong hand and his arms shall rule for him behold his reward is with him and his work before him he shall feed his flock like a shepherd he shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom. And shall gently lead those that are with young. Oftentimes in the Old Testament, God referred to himself as a shepherd of Israel, and he talked about how he cared for his people, uh, Israel. And so here you have in Isaiah this, again, this image of a shepherd, and, and you see the loving care that he has for his people, for his flock. And it talks about how he shall carry them in his bosom and gently lead them. And so this whole imagery of a shepherd, uh, denotes the tenderness that God has for us and the loving care that he shows his people. It really is uh, beautiful. Also, I wanted to read um, Jeremiah and Jeremiah 23. I'm just going through some of these passages that have the shepherdry, uh, shepherd imagery in it. Uh, Jeremiah 23 and verses 1 through 4 says, Woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, saith the Lord. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, against the pastors that feed my people, ye have scattered my flock and driven them away, and have not visited them. Behold, I will visit upon you the evil of your doings, saith the Lord, and I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries whither I have driven them, and will bring them again to their folds. And they shall be fruitful and increase. And I will set up shepherds over them, which shall feed them. And they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed. Neither shall they be lacking, saith the Lord. So, again, you have this picture of God as the shepherd of his people. But in this passage, he's actually rebuking the shepherds or pastors that were scattering his sheep and destroying his sheep. They were not taking care of his people like they should have been. And so you have this contrast between good shepherds and bad shepherds. Um, by the way, the word pastor uh, carries the idea of a shepherd, somebody shepherding the flock. And so and you think about church, and you think about a pastor, that's one of his roles is to be a shepherd to the flock. And then I wanted to read... Uh, a passage in Ezekiel, uh, Ezekiel 34, and I wanted to look starting in verse 11, Ezekiel 34 and verse 11, it says, For thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I, even I, will both search my sheep and seek them out, as a shepherd seeketh out his flock in the day 
that he is among his sheep that are scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and will deliver them out of all places where they have been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. And I will bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries and will bring them to their own land and feed them upon the mountains of Israel by the rivers and all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them in a good pasture and upon the high mountains of Israel shall their fold be. There shall they lie in a good fold and in a fat pasture shall they feed upon the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock and I will cause them to lie down, saith the Lord God. I will seek that which was lost and bring again that which was driven away and will bind up that which was broken and will strengthen that which was sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong. I will feed them with judgment. Okay, so here again you have this... um, rebuking of the uh, shepherds who were not doing their job, who had scattered the sheep. And a lot of these passages in Isaiah and Ezekiel and Jeremiah, sometimes they're dealing with the future restoration of Israel. So in a way, it's prophecy about when, uh, you know, Christ returns and the restoration of Israel. But I wanted to read these passages to um, just point out that... um, God uses this imagery of a shepherd quite often, and he shows it he he uses it to to show the uh, concern and the care that he has for his people and it's often contrasted with uh these bad shepherds that are not caring for the flock and not doing what they should be doing and and so that becomes more profound when we think about Jesus as the good shepherd he is the shepherd who lays down his life who cares for the the sheep. Uh, Psalm 81 refers to, O shepherd of Israel. I'm just listing some passages in the Bible that deal with this uh, idea of a shepherd. Matthew 18, uh, verses 11 through 14, is the parable of the lost sheep, which you're probably familiar with, where you know Jesus leaves the 99 to go after the one that was lost. So a very well-known parable about uh, sheep there. You think about the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2, and the angels announced the good news to the shepherds in the field. In Luke 2 and verse 8, it says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid, and the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And ye, and this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So there you see the shepherds play a prominent role in the Christmas story. So with that as a background, uh, let's go back to Psalm 23 and talk about that. Psalm 23 utilizes two metaphors. Uh, The first one is obviously the shepherd, where David calls the Lord his shepherd. That's found in verses 1 through 4. But in verse 5 and 6, it presents the Lord as a host at a dinner where he hosts um, David and feeds him. And 
so you have two metaphors or two pictures of God here in Psalm 23. One is a shepherd and one is a host. And you'll notice there's a change of pronouns uh, in verses 1 through uh, 3. It talks about uh, the Lord's a shepherd and it mentions he. So it's a um, third person pronoun, third person singular. Uh, but there in verse 4, it switches and it says for you or for thou. So it switches to second person, and, and David stop, starts to address the Lord directly there in verse 4. All right, well, let's go ahead and read Psalm 23, and then we'll discuss it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Okay, so looking at verse 1, when it says, I shall not want, uh, that could be translated, I shall not lack. Uh, it's talking about how the Lord will provide for us. But the first thing we see is that David calls the Lord his shepherd. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. And what a wonderful picture that is. David saying, the Lord is going to care for me and take care of me. He's going to look out for me. So the Lord is my shepherd. And he shall not lack. He shall, the Lord will provide whatever David needs. He shall not want. He shall not lack. Now, ask yourself, what does a shepherd do? Sometimes in our um, modern day culture, we're not as familiar with um, the idea of a shepherd as they were. And so let's talk about what a shepherd does. Uh, well, there's at least four things that a shepherd does. He One, he protects the sheep. There's all kinds of harmful predators out there like wolves. And his job is to protect the sheep from the predators and from dangers. Uh, sheep are not known to be the smartest animals. Sometimes they wander off into danger. And the shepherd has to look out for the sheep. So he protects the sheep, number one. Number two, the shepherd guides the sheep. Uh, the shepherd has to direct the sheep to um, grass and water and, and places of food and places of safety. And so the shepherd guides the sheep, number two. Number three, he feeds the sheep. He provides, like I said, grass and water and things, uh, uh, sustenance for the sheep. Um, so he feeds the sheep. Uh, and then number four, he tends to the wounds of the sheep. He mends their wounds. He cares for their wounds uh, when they get injured. Maybe they hurt a leg and he binds up their leg. Or maybe they get some kind of scratch or cut and he pours oil on their wound. So four things at least that a shepherd does. He protects the sheep. He guides the sheep. He feeds the sheep. And he tends to their wounds. You think about what God does for us, and he does these things for us. He protects us. He guides us in the way we should go. He feeds us 
Not only does he provide for us the food that we eat, but he feeds us spiritually with his word. And he tends to our wounds when we get hurt or when we go off into dangerous areas and uh, maybe we sin and we cause harm to ourselves. And we come back to the Lord and he tends to our wounds and he binds us up. Now, David knew, like I said before, he knew what it was like to be a shepherd because he was one. Uh, if you turn to Psalm 78 and look at verse uh, 70, uh, it says, He chose David also his servant and took him from the sheepfolds. From following the ewes great with young, he brought him to feed Jacob his people and Israel his inheritance. So he fed them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. So David was a skillful shepherd, and a lot of the things he learned as an actual shepherd, he used to be the shepherd of Israel because David was anointed king and became shepherd of God's people Israel. So a lot of those lessons he learned as a shepherd early on, he would use as king. If you turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16, uh, you, if you know this story, Samuel anointed David as king. And in 1 Samuel 16 verse 10, it says again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and withal of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look at. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. So there you have Samuel anointing David. It mentions him as a keeper of the sheep. If you turn over a page or two to 1 Samuel 17 and look at verse 33, this is where David goes to fight Goliath. And there in verse 33 it says, And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him, and smote him, and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard, and smote him, and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. Of the living God, David said, Moreover, the Lord hath delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear. He will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. So what gave David the courage to face Goliath? He remembered that the Lord had delivered him from that lion and from that bear when he was shepherding the sheep and it gave him the confidence and the faith to face Goliath and defeat Goliath and you know with the help of the Lord so you see there that David had experience as a shepherd 
Then you think about Psalm 8 when David's talking about the moon and the stars and he's looking at the night sky and describing that and, and talking about the glory of God and his creation. You wonder if maybe did he write Psalm 8? This is just speculation, but you wonder, did he write Psalm 8 when he was shepherding the sheep out in the, the field at night? And he would look up at the sky and look at the moon and the stars and think about God's creation. And it makes you wonder if, if that's when he wrote Psalm 8. But back to Psalm 23, this first verse is such a, a, a powerful verse. There's, it's a small verse, I mean a short verse, but there's so much in it. And we think about the relationship that... David had with the Lord and he describes it as a relationship of a sheep and a shepherd and you think about the tenderness of God caring for his sheep and David knew it was God who provided for him and cared for him and protected him and then you think about how personal it is he says the Lord is my shepherd he didn't say the Lord is a shepherd. He says the Lord is my shepherd. He can be your shepherd too. If we are a believer, he is our shepherd. And so it's a personal relationship with the Lord. All right, let's move on to verse 2. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Here you see that God provides rest and refreshment for the sheep rest and refreshment maketh him to lie down he maketh me to lie down so there's the rest part and the refreshment you see in the still waters um you know i mentioned that sheep need two things mainly grass to eat and, and water to drink and here you have those two things uh that the sheep need in this verse um i kind of have the image of this peaceful green field in my mind with a little stream running through it and you can kind of picture that on a sunny day and how peaceful and restful that would be and so that's the picture here you know in Israel it wasn't always easy to find grass and water there are areas of Israel that are very rocky and dry and so the shepherd had to lead the sheep to find the grass and the water and God does the same thing with us we don't always go through easy terrain sometimes it's rocky and dry and God will lead us to where we need to go to get the rest and refreshment um, I read that sheep like still water because the water that's quickly moving or rushing by often scares them and so they like to have still water and and that's what we have here this is literally uh waters of rest so God leads us to waters of rest and he leads us to feed on his word if you think about the story of the woman at the well in John chapter 4 and Jesus was speaking with this woman and she asked him for a drink or I'm sorry uh, I believe that uh, Jesus asked her for a drink and uh, they got into a discussion and he talked about the living water and he told her to you know he's 
he suggested that she ask him for the living water because then she would not thirst again. And he said it would be like a well of water springing up into an everlasting life. And so God provides not just our physical needs, but he provides our spiritual needs. He provides us with the water of life. All right, let's look at verse 3. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So here in this verse, God provides restoration and righteousness. In the last verse, it was rest and refreshment. In this verse, as Warren Worsby points out, it's restoration and righteousness. He restores our soul. Psalm 85.4 says, Restore us. O God of our salvation. So God restores our soul whenever we sin or we stray. We come back to him and he restores us to fellowship and he restores our soul and he mends our wounds. The book of Joel talks about restoring the years the locust have eaten. So God is a God of restoration. You think about people in the Bible that that God restored. You think about uh, David himself. David sinned uh, by committing adultery with Bathsheba and then having Uriah murdered, and God restored him. You you have Psalm 51 where David repents and confesses and asks God for mercy, and God restores David. You think about Jonah, who was supposed to go to Nineveh, and he didn't, ended up in the belly of a well or a great fish and he was there for three days and three nights and then it spit him out and then he went to Nineveh and God restored Jonah gave him a a second chance you think about Peter you know Peter the great apostle who was so close to Jesus while he was here on this earth during his ministry and yet he denied the Lord three times and yet after Jesus was resurrected Jesus asked him, do you love me? And he restored Peter and he told him to feed his sheep. So God restores us. He restores our soul. He also leads us in the path of righteousness. We have several paths to choose from. We can go down the right path or the the wrong path. God leads us to the right path, to the path of righteousness Um, that's going to be best for us. The book of Proverbs talks a lot about wisdom and taking the right path and avoiding the wrong path. Well, God, as as shepherd, uh, he leads us down the right path. The Life Application Study Bible said, rebelling against the shepherd's leading is actually rebelling against our own best interest. So if God is trying to lead us and guide us and we rebel against that, We're actually rebelling against our own best interests because we're only hurting ourselves. God knows what is best for us. He's trying to lead us in the right way, in the the good way, the safe way, the the place of his protection. And if we rebel and try to go our own way, just like a sheep can get into trouble and hurt himself, it's the same way with us. So we would be wise to follow the Lord's leading. All right, verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You can think about a sheep being led through dangerous terrain, maybe rocky um, cliffs and um, 
treacherous places that they could fall off of, but the shepherd leads them and, and guides them. The Lord does the same thing with us. Um, of course, this valley of the shadow of death could refer to um, physical death. It could be when we face death, our comfort, our hope is in that we know the Lord and that he is our shepherd. And that helps us through that dark valley. So what provides us comfort in the valley of the shadow of death? The fact that the Lord is with us. David says, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. The reason why he's not afraid is because the Lord is with him and he knows that. And so the important thing is the Lord is with us in good times and bad. That's what really matters is the Lord is with us. So in verse 4, we see God's peace, his protection, and his comfort as we go through the valley. And then it mentions his rod and staff, how they comfort him, how the uh, the shepherd's rod and staff comfort uh, David. Uh, I'm sure you've seen the, the picture of the shepherd with his crook, and it's a long stick with a curved end. And the shepherd would use that in various ways. He would use it as a walking stick to kind of provide balance for himself. Uh, he would also, he could use that hook on the end to grab a sheep, maybe put it around the sheep's neck or maybe around his legs to pull the sheep back from danger if the sheep was wandering off. Or he could use it to fight off predators. If a wolf came, he could hit the wolf with the staff. So uh, that staff, that rod, uh, provided protection for the sheep. And that's one of the tools that the shepherd used. And so from this verse, we can find peace and comfort that the Lord is with us No matter what our circumstances, God is with us and we don't have to be afraid because he is there to protect us and to comfort us. All right, moving along to verse 5. It says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Now some commentators believe that the the psalmist switches gears here and starts talking about the Lord as a host. Others believe that you can continue the shepherdry uh, shepherd imagery um, in these last two verses, but however you interpret it, uh, the idea is that the Lord is protecting and providing uh, once again. I tend to view verses five and six as, or at least verse five, as the Lord as a host at a dinner, and it says that He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Um, so the idea is that even though enemies may surround us, we can eat and be satisfied and be safe in the Lord. Uh, if you apply this to sheep, you can think about, you know, wolves maybe surrounding the fold, but there the sheep is being protected by the shepherd and able to eat, uh, in safety. And so, God provides us, he offers provision to us, and he also offers protection to us. This idea of anointing uh, our head with oil. In the ancient Near East, 
that was a sign of honor. If you anointed someone, it was to honor them. You think back to what we just read a few moments ago when David was anointed king. Obviously, that was an honor because very few people were anointed king. So it's it's an idea of honoring somebody, but also uh, the shepherd would uh, anoint the sheep with oil oftentimes to uh, keep the flies away because the sheep would be bothered by flies around their head. Or maybe if the sheep had a wound, he might anoint the wound with oil to clean it or to protect it from infection. And so you you see here this idea of anointing the head with oil. And then he says, my cup runs over. You see the abundance that the Lord gives us. We have more than enough. He doesn't just provide for our needs, but he gives us abundantly more than we even need. Uh, in that passage that we read in John chapter 10, it talks about how um, he gives us abundant life. Uh, and so God gives to us in abundance. He blesses us richly, the Bible talks about. And so the question here is, where is our focus? Is our focus on our enemies? Is our focus on the dangers or is our focus on the Lord? Because if our focus is on the Lord, he prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. He anoints our head with oil. He makes our cup run over. So let us keep our eyes on the Lord and not be distracted by everything that's going on around us. And then in verse 6, one of my favorite verses in this psalm, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So you see the twin blessings of goodness and mercy. Now some translations say goodness and loving kindness. Uh, that word mercy is the Hebrew word kesed, and it can be translated various ways. Sometimes you'll see it translated as mercy in the King James. Uh, I think the New American Standard translates it loving kindness, but it's just the idea of God's loving kindness or mercy to us. Uh, and David says, God's goodness and his mercy will follow me all the days of my life. What a comfort that is, that God is our shepherd for all of our life. And that his goodness and mercy follow us everywhere we go. That should be a great comfort to us, a very encouraging thought. And then he says that he will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, David could be referring to going to the temple or the temple actually wasn't built, but they had the tabernacle before Solomon. It was the tabernacle. And so he could be referring to going to worship God at the tabernacle. But he also could be looking forward to eternity and thinking about worshiping God in heaven. Uh, and so we ought to delight in going to the house of the Lord and to worship him. So this is uh, just a beautiful psalm. We think about this psalm and what it's meant to so many people, and it's just so beautifully written, but it's also such a comfort to us as we read these words of encouragement. They really minister to us and help us in our daily lives. And uh, we can. I really would encourage you, if you haven't already, to memorize this psalm so you can recite it by memory uh, because it's just so rich and such a blessing to us. And we think about how good that God is to us, all the things that he provides. Just in these short 
six verses, think about everything that he provides for us. He provides rest, refreshment, restoration, uh, righteousness, um, protection, comfort, peace, uh, food, uh, deliverance from enemies, um, an overflowing cup, anoints our head with oil, goodness and mercy, allows us to go to the house of the Lord forever. So these are just, just you know, all the blessings that it lists in these psalm in this psalm. And then Warren Worsby, the Bible commentator, he talks about the different names of God in the Old Testament. And he says a lot of them are found, you know, in this psalm. The, at least the idea of it is found in this psalm. You think about um, Jehovah Jireh means the Lord will provide. And, and we see here the provision of the Lord in this psalm, how he will provide for us. Uh, Jehovah Rapha the Lord will heal or restore. We see that in the book of Exodus. Well, we, we see here that the Lord will restore our soul. Um, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. And we see how God will give us peace in the valley of the shadow of death. We see um, Jehovah Sidkinu, which means the Lord our righteousness. So he is our righteousness, and it talks about how he will lead us into the paths of righteousness. Uh, Jehovah Shema, the Lord is there. Well, we see in verse um, 3, it says, For thou art with me. We see the Lord is with us. Um, and then Jehovah Raha, which means the Lord my shepherd. And obviously we see that in verse 1. So while those names aren't may, may not literally be found in this psalm, the idea of those names are found in this psalm. And so we see that the Lord provides for our needs and he uh, blesses us and takes care of us. And He, you see the tender love and care that the Lord has for his people. Uh, he genuinely cares for his people and we can take comfort that he is our shepherd. Well, I hope this psalm was a blessing to you and I hope you've enjoyed it. And that is one that I've been looking forward to doing. It's one of my favorites and obviously uh, one of the most well-known psalms and, and passages in the entire Bible. I hope you have a blessed week and uh, may God bless you and protect you. And we'll talk to you later. Bye.